Okay, might so be the I question at the end of this. One hour yeah. to <laughs> talk you me. into coming back to South Dakota. <laughs> Let's was, do this. I was over there praying and I was like in the monastery and I was like, why do I love this place so much? <laughs> You're listening to Lead Him to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Lead Him to Life. I am so excited to be sitting down with my long-lost friend who has moved far away, but has come home just to see me. Just kidding. <laughs> James Carroll, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Emily. I'm super excited to be here. Okay, tell us a little bit about who you are to get us started. Yeah, um, so James Carroll, born and raised here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, went to O'Gorman High School for high school. Went to USC. Did I know you in high school? See, we were just missed each other, I think, but I've I heard of the legend of Emily Leadham oh, quite whatever. often. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I don't think we did. I think you might have known my sister, older sister, yes. a little bit more. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. And so went to O'Gorman, then went to USD for a couple years, and then entered seminary, and then left seminary, and now I'm living down in Indiana, um, working away down there with my beautiful fiance. So. With your fiance. Yes. Okay, which one is it? There's if you say fiance or fiance, mm. it's two different things. It is, yeah. So, which one's which? So fiance oh, I can tell Shoot, you the spelling wise. Is um, it with the thing on the E? Two E's is the female one, and okay. one E is the dude one. Is the dude one. Fun fact. There we go. Yeah. You learned something new on Lead Them to Life today. Boom. Here we are just educating, educating the world. That's <laughs> true. What more? What is what greater responsibility do we have? <laughs> <laughs> okay, James. I so I had messaged you a couple weeks ago and um, asked if you would come on, and and I actually like gave you a topic uh, that I literally that I just wanted to to talk specifically to you about um, regarding when life changes directions. Mm -hmm. I think um, you know throughout everybody's life, throughout all of our lives, and I think especially in this year, there's just been um, a lot of changes yeah. and uh, really good things, really hard things, mm -hmm. really unexpected things, and all the things in between. Mm -hmm. um, and and I just I think you have lived a transition really beautifully, <laughs> and uh, so I want to talk to you about that that process of when your life kind of changed direction. So you said you entered seminary. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about your story from where you started in seminary to where you're at now. Unpack it a little bit more. Yeah. So it almost starts before that a little bit. So I went to USD, like I said, and uh, I was not living the most virtuous life in the world. Let's I just won't say tell anyone. that. Okay, good. Except um, you just told everybody. You know, the world. <laughs> But I definitely was not living a virtuous life, okay. and I didn't really know Jesus at all, Yeah. ever. And I went on a retreat. Um, one of my friends from high school, Bethany Clausen, she oh, was leading a retreat. She'll Isn't get she you. Great. Yeah, yeah, she'll get you. Um, and I went on this retreat and had this profound encounter um, with our Lord, and I was loved. Like I understood what being loved was for the first time ever. Really? Yeah, I never experienced it before. Um, this is me freshman year of college, and yeah. there's so many things in college that you can just like try to find love in and I just couldn't find it. And I went to this retreat. And after that, I went back to USD and just happened into the Newman Center one day and Father Jeff Norfolk, oh, he's, man. watch you out. Had Bethany Clausen and Father Jeff Sniper Norfolk. Sniper right you. there. Yeah. He walks to me like, James Carroll, how are you? And I was like, never met you in my life, but I don't know how you know my name. Seriously. Great. 
nice to meet you. I need to talk to you, Father. Um, sit down and have this big conversation and basically from there, dive into my faith, like full force. What was that conversation? Yeah, that conversation Maybe was... Maybe you can't tell me. No, I definitely can. Um, I told him, like, what do I do with the love that I have received this past weekend on this retreat? Mm. And he was like, embrace it. And I was like... That's easy. <laughs> okay, holy monk, <laughs> with the beard and all this, like, how do I do that? Uh-huh. He's like, just go and pray. Like, just go sit in the chapel. And that's all I want you to do. Maybe pray a rosary. I was like, okay, that's been a hot second. Right. Um, so I do that, and then... After that, I start encountering all these different people in the Newman Center. Um, I got really involved with Focus, a fellowship of Catholic University students, um, and made some of the best friends that I could ever uh, have asked for in that time. Mm -hmm. So I take another year just kind of getting involved in my faith, do totus to us one summer, and kind of have this profound call of like, oh, shoot, I think I need to go to seminary. <laughs> now did that come in a moment or did that come over a period of time it definitely came like in a moment really i, I was <laughs> i was over in the cathedral actually actually on a friday after being uh the leader of totus to us at saint michael's large parish there's like 103 kids in the day program yeah, yeah crazy and i'm just praying by the mary statue and i hear her say devote your whole life to my son and i was just like whoa like first off you're talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> Second, that's a big ask, mom. Like, come on. <laughs> and I just kind of sit there and I'm like, okay, like, I think I need to need to listen to that a little bit. And I go back and sit down and mass starts and seminary just pops into my head. And I can only sit with that for the entire mass. And I'm just like crying. And my totus to his team members are like, what, what is going on yeah, with clearly. this dude? Yeah. And so I take that and Father Jeff was like, just pray with that through the summer. He became my spiritual director at that point and has been there ever since. And I take, like, at the end of that summer, I'm like, I have to do it. I need to apply to seminary. So I finished my second year at USD, apply. And a year later from that profound experience at that retreat that Bethany led, I was accepted as a seminarian for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And I was just like, okay, like, I'm doing this. I'm yeah. going to seminary. Yeah. And taking that opportunity to really just kind of be like, all right, I don't know what I need, and huh. you do. So I'm just going to go down this path, and I'm going to see where it leads. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of the the path through that. And in seminary, you, you definitely learn a lot. You're formed a lot, and you kind of encounter these um, moments that help you continue to discern and all that. But it's those profound moments, I think, that you experience that really move you, move your soul, um, those things are really big flagpoles that help you like guide your yeah, way yeah, through yeah. it all. So yeah. I hope that answers your question. So how long were you in seminary? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was there for three years. Okay. Yeah. And then you left. I did. Yeah. Tell me about that process. Yeah. So three years of being in the seminary was amazing. Um, I was like full fledged, ready to go. And by the way, for somebody that's like, what the heck is seminary? Sure. What is, what is seminary? Yeah, seminary. Uh, in, in one sentence. In, in a sentence. <laughs> seminary is a place for a man to become a true man of Christ that also has the possibility to become a priest oh, of Jesus Christ. I love how you said that because it wasn't like it's where that you go to become a priest. Mm, There's yeah. actually like a formation that's happening yep. and a discernment that's happening. Mm -hmm. And just because you're going to seminary doesn't necessarily mean that 
Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yes. You're raising your hand like, yep, that's me. Yep. So I love how you said that. Like mm-hmm. it's it's actually where you go and then with that possibility or with mm-hmm. that kind of discernment in your in your mind's eye. But yeah. it's really that formation process right. to like chisel your heart, your soul to mm-hmm. become more like him in order to receive whatever gifts he desires to give you. Yeah, 100%. Right? That is something that um, that is how I lived my seminary experience day to day Mm. because I knew like if I had that crazy expectation of being this perfect priest at the end of seminary, I would never make it. I would never be able to like, I could get ordained and I could like do ministry, but I would burn out at some point. Um, so taking that opportunity just to be formed as a good man there was so important. It was super huge because I couldn't be doing what I am now without that. Right. Um, so yeah, it just definitely was a crazy experience of, I didn't know if I was going to be ordained a priest, um, but I, I gave myself that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and then when I got to the time to go to major seminary, I was like all signed up, so ready this, to go. After your three, after after your three my years. Third years okay. Yep. And uh, all signed up, ready to go. And I go to an eight-day silent retreat um, at IPF um, down in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh-huh. And the this overwhelming like sense of, I was getting a little bit of um, anxiety when I was on this retreat. I was like, why am I so anxious? Like silent retreats are supposed to be like calming calming, and peaceful. peaceful. Right. Yes. <laughs> Everything's good, lovely. Yeah. The birds are singing. Exactly. I'm paying attention to all of the beauty. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of like kept washing over me, washing over me day one, day two, day three. And I was like, okay, Jesus, like we're doing a big thing here. Like I'm going to major seminary. Like, can we provide some peace in that? And I just kept reading through the Bible and different uh, verses, and it sounds so weird, but women just kind of kept popping up everywhere. And like, okay, say more about <laughs> Yes, uh, the saints, so like Our Lady. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes, women just popped up left and right on a silent retreat. All of a sudden, retreat, they just showed up in the, of seminarians in the chapel everywhere. and on my walk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, that would kind of crazy. Oh, that's but, really funny. Yeah, okay. the saints did. So Our Lady and Mary Meglin were one of the oh, the two people her. who just yeah. like constantly kept showing up. And if you have you ever like actually just sat and prayed the Stations of the Cross like by yourself? Oh my gosh, it's, it's like it is like it's insane the amount of things that like you yourself experience during that time, mm-hmm. and the things that you can notice throughout the Stations. And women are so prevalent in. Yeah. The Stations of the Cross. Like, I never realized that. Um, Our Lady's there countless of times. Mary Magdalene's there. Veronica, all these different things, like, present to our Lord. And that was something that was just, like, so profoundly sticking out to me all the time. Because every station, it seemed like women were leading the person to Christ. And I was like, whoa. Like, this is, like, so profound. Like, why is my heart, like, Drawn drawn to this so much? I was like, I don't get it. And I go and I tell my spiritual director, I was like, same thing I just told you. Have you prayed the Stations of the Cross, Father? And he's like, yes, James, I have many times. It's like, great. But like women. And he was like, ah, I see. And I take that and I just continue to pray with it. And I had this profound experience of just like this freedom that like I had never had in seminary of like how I was experiencing Christ and my opportunity to like encounter him more profoundly. Um, I was like, I think I'm encountering our Lord through women in this like amazing new way that I've never experienced before. And there's so much peace there. Um, And he was like, 
praise God. Like that is amazing. And you just kind of, I sat with that for the, like the last four days. And I was like, I think I know what the Lord's asking me to do. Seriously. Yeah. And, and the, the way I could do that is because there was peace there. Um, yeah. If there wasn't peace there, like the beginning of that retreat, I was like, I'm going to major seminary. Jesus, like, come on. Like, you got to tell me. Board. Right. Um, <laughs> I was like, this is not going to work. And I took that moment and I took those last four days and I was like, wow, there's peace here. Um, so I like got out of the retreat. I called Father Jeff. I was like, Padre, like, I think I got to do something. He's like, okay, what's up? I think I have to discern out. I think I know what the Lord's asking me to do. And he's like, all right, buckle up, get ready. I was like, okay, I think I can do it, but I'm going to need a lot of help. <laughs> and he was like, all right, let's go for it. So took that opportunity. Why buckle up, get ready? Well, as you know, Emily, um, marriage is not easy. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and I am not there yet at all, but I am, I'm getting there. Yeah. And just being in a relationship is something that is um, difficult, um, but it's also peaceful. So I, he told me, he was like, this is not going to be a life that is easy. I'm not saying the priesthood is easy. Yeah. Priesthood is so hard, but you have certain things that are set up for you and you can just kind of go and like be prepared to do ministry. But when you are in a relationship with someone, um, you have to take on an even more greater responsibility of like, all right, I need to be praying every day. I need to be going to mass. I need to be encouraging the other person in my relationship to be doing the same thing. Um, and that takes a lot of courage because you're going to be vulnerable with that person. Yeah. Um, and Father Jeff was like, this is what you're signing up for, a life of self-sacrificial love. And I was like, whoa. Reach. So Reach. he was like, if you have peace, do Follow it. All the peace. Yeah. So that's kind of how I discerned out, essentially, was this, yeah. this eight-day retreat. Um, and ever since then, I have not had anxiety, really, in prayer, which is kind of nuts. Yeah. Like, I get nervous and, like, all those kinds of things, yeah. but— you definitely have an opportunity when you are following the Lord to yeah. really just kind of rest in that um, prayer. So you had this vision of what your life was going to look like for those three years, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. three years plus mm-hmm. a little bit. Did you have to grieve <laughs> that vision for what your life was going to look like when it changed directions? Or was there just like, ah, oh, freedom. Right. I'm delighted. You know? Yeah, no, I think when a, when a guy discerns out, um, it's probably one of the most peaceful things, but also one of the most, like, intense things. Because Satan's like, okay, like, you're going for this vocation. Like, when you're in seminary, you have a target on your back, 100%. But I say even when you discern out, that target is still there. Um, and I was like, okay, like, I'm, I am giving up the priesthood, you know? I'm giving up this vocation to pursue marriage and to find a spouse. And that was really, really hard. Like I was, I wasn't quite like mentally prepared for that because you're not only giving up that vocation, but you're giving up that brotherhood and that bond. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Cause yeah. you had such a community mm-hmm. of guys yep. surrounding you. Yeah. And I think that for, for anybody that maybe their life changes direction in that way is mm-hmm. part of the difficulty is in a certain trajectory, you're surrounded by particular relationships, yeah, right? Definitely. And then if you move, you know, if mm-hmm. that's your life change or if if um, if you pursue a different job, that's mm-hmm. your life change. Regardless, there's this 
this letting go of a community that you knew mm-hmm. without really knowing who the next yep. community, community is going to be. be. Yep. 100%. And that was, I think, the hardest thing that I had to face was like, I wasn't going to be in this brotherhood per se anymore um, with the seminarians of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Yeah. And they had become truly my brothers. I didn't, I don't have any brothers, like actual they brothers. People. They were. And like, they are my best friends that I have. And Praise God, he didn't take them away from me. Mm. Like, I still have them, but it is it is different. Um, I still talk with Father Michael Kaeperman. He's a priest now, praise God, um, all the time. And just allowing myself to really be like, I'm giving up this good for another good. For another good. Yeah. Did you feel lonely? That that summer, in between, like, finding a job and discerning out, that's Ooh. when we went to coffee. Yeah, it is. Right? It is. At 100%. Cafea. Yep. Yeah, because I, I remember you kind of sharing that a little mm-hmm. bit, like that weird. It's You're in this weird in-between, and you don't yeah. know, like, what you're supposed to be doing. Um, oh, the in-between is the worst. Isn't it? Isn't yeah. It? Like, I think you, it's hard. Oh, it's the, it's, I think it's the hardest thing that you'll yeah. ever do. Yeah. Like, it is impossible to, like, allow yourself to just be in the in-between. Yeah. And I think everybody has their own version of an in-between moment mm-hmm. and there are probably going to be more of them, yep. you know, throughout our lives mm-hmm. where you're, you're waiting, you're, you're, uh, you've, yeah, it's kind of that, again, you've let go of something, but you haven't necessarily received mm-hmm. the new thing right. yet. So there's this period of, Hey, my hands are empty mm-hmm. and I'm not entirely sure what's going to come fill them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like, how do I just stay rooted Right. In this and not feel like my world is kind of spinning exactly. or something. Yeah. And honestly, the thing that I found to help me with that is to encounter Christ in other individuals. Like mm-hmm. build relationships. Right. Build relationships. We went to coffee. I was like, that was one of the best coffees I had all summer. And then you go and you find those friends who you've had before and you spark up a conversation. Like if you haven't talked to them in a year, go talk to them. Yeah. Like, what's it going to hurt to talk to somebody? Um, say hello. Yeah. Um, and that really helps in that in between to just kind of find what the Lord is asking you to do in that, because you never know in a conversation if an opportunity is going to come up. Yeah. And that was a big thing for me. It's just like, awesome. So I, when I called in that summer, I called and talked to my buddy, David, who lives in Indiana now. He was like, so, uh, what are you doing in South Dakota anymore? And I'm like, you know, there's nothing really keeping me here. He's like, well, there's a job I think you would like to do down here. You should apply for it. And I was like, okay. Like, so this is the guy I have to blame. <laughs> it's true. David Cook right there. Find him. He, he definitely, uh, he snagged me. And yeah. he, he brought me down to Indiana. But he he initiated that with just a conversation yep. between us as friends. and um, Conversations can be game changers. Huh? Yeah. And and that's where, like, I I. I don't want to be too philosophical and all these kinds of things, but like the opportunity to commune with another person is where Jesus is. He says, or two or more gathered at present, you know? And that's where I definitely try to like, about like find my place is like allowing myself to encounter him in those conversations, because I know that's where he's going to lead me or how he's going to lead me. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily going to be him like in prayer all the time, like do this great divine plan He's going to be like, oh, you had this conversation with this person and like this struck your heart. Follow that. Yeah, totally. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. So I think uh, you will use your example because it's a good one. Um, Throughout your time in seminary, Mm -hmm. you you're envisioning kind of your life in this particular way. And that means um, 
saying no to other things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe it means saying no to dreaming about, hey, what's my future home going to look like? Mm -hmm. Or, um, yeah, what's my future family going to look like? Or even being open to dating, that kind of thing. And then you make this life transition, and suddenly those things that were kind of off the table are now on the table. Boom, right in front of you. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I'm trying to think of another example that might be relatable to this. Oh, here's a good one. I think, okay, we're going to go to level 10. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I think a lot of times, um, oh, this is also kind of going to apply to you. It's going to (laughs) get weird. But a lot of engaged couples, right, Mm -hmm. like that are working towards purity, that are saving themselves for marriage, whatever, like sex is off the table Mm -hmm. or like that physical intimacy is, is off the table and then they get married and now suddenly it's on the table. And if they have like a healthy view of sexuality, normally Mm -hmm. they can transition really well into that. But I think, honestly, I think it's hard though Mm -hmm. when you, when you have kind of said no to things in your mind, even really good things exactly to, to now have to make that transition and be open to them. Is kind of weird. Yeah, hundred percent. Was that hard? <laughs> Trisha and I literally just had this conversation like a week ago. Really? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. So when when I discerned out of seminary, the day after I was serving for a wedding, I had already planned to serve like as a seminary and yep. all these kinds of things for one of my really good friends. And I go to the wedding, and brides everywhere who are listening to this are going to hate me for saying this, but I go into the bride room just before the wedding. I'm like, "Hey, friend, I just discerned out of seminary." Just wanted to let you know. That's why I'm not wearing a collar. Have a good wedding. <laughs> you even said that to the bride. I did, yes. And she's one of my best friends <laughs> in high school, but she was like, okay, okay. awesome. Great. And we'll talk about this after the ceremony. <laughs> exactly. But the other person who was in the room at that exact same time is my fiance. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> did you know her then? Um, Very, like, very briefly. Just, okay. like, one or two encounters before that. And um, wow. so then I, like go through the wedding. I'm not wearing collar, all these kinds of things and just serving. And it was a beautiful wedding. God bless the wedding. It was amazing. And we go to the dance. And so then my fiance, she comes up and she's like, would you like to dance? And like, we don't dance with girls in seminary. Like, that's just not a thing. And at first I was like, no, I'm sorry. Oh, wait a second. Yeah, I can dance with you. I can do that. Yeah, like I, I definitely can. Like, yes, please. That'd be great. And we go and we dance to a song together. And it was, was that just, weird? It was so like, I wasn't prepared for it. Did you just feel like, guilty? Well, at this first, yeah. At the first time I was like, I don't know if I should be doing this. Are people watching? Like mm. they like, they don't necessarily know I'm not a seminarian anymore. Um, but at the same time, I was like, I'm going to dance with this pretty girl. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think this is a good thing to do. Um, I'm going to dance. <laughs> so I, I did and it was awesome. And <laughs> You take that opportunity and you just kind of run with it. But as time has gone on, that's a very simplified answer because that that is intimacy. Um, that dance with Trisha, it was beautiful and I really enjoyed it. But now, three months away from our wedding, like intimacy is a real thing. Like, yeah, it's it's growing and growing and growing. And it, at times, it's harder and harder to say no to different kinds of things. And like you know that yes, this is off the table, but boundaries. Like, where are those boundaries at, yeah. you know? Yeah. And trying to allow yourself to really be like, all of these things were off limits. And now it's going to shift in one day. Literally, like one single day, everything yeah. is a no. And then it's a yes. And how do you mentally prepare yourself for that? And, yes. And Trisha was like, I'm really struggling with this. Like, I don't understand how we can go from, this is not a good thing, 
right now to this is the greatest thing this ever. This is the best thing ever. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I get it. I understand. That's really, really difficult. I don't understand how it's going to work either. Um, but I'm willing to learn yeah. um, with you. Yeah. And I'm willing to talk to you about it and to communicate with you about it. And that's something I've been super grateful for in my relationship is the opportunity to communicate about those things. Because, yeah, we're going to fall at times and like lust is a thing. Like it's just a plain and simple fact. But go to confession. Have the opportunity to just speak. Like, hey, like, why are we saving this yeah. for marriage? Yeah. And that opens up a relationship, like a conversation in your relationship that'll make that intimacy even more profound. Yeah. We're both reading this book called Holy Sex. I don't remember what oh, the, the is it the Catholic, the Catholic guide, guide to, to like toe curling or toe something curling that yeah infallible loving <laughs> yeah. It's the best title ever. Yeah. I had like mixed emotions about the book. Just because I was like, pick your audience. I know, Do you know right? What I'm about? Uh-huh. I probably shouldn't yes. say that on this podcast. Yeah, but I loved the title. <laughs> the title's so funny. It was sitting on our on our uh, uh, like coffee table, and I had some young adults over, and I was like, Real, I guess this is a good witness. Real sure. <laughs> like this is like, sorry, that's there, guys. But you know, marriage is a thing, and this is going to be a part of it. So, <laughs> but you have to have those good conversations, and it definitely does spark this um, opportunity for intimacy that isn't just physical. Right. But there's the emotional intimacy, the, the communication aspect right. to it. So right. Right. it's kind of weird, those off yeah. limits to not. Yeah. I always imagine it kind of like driving a stick shift. Mm. And it would be like, it's kind of like going from one to five. Yep. Kind of thing mm-hmm. where, um, and, and with anything, right? Like mm-hmm. I think we all have these different things. Even a couple maybe that's listening that's practicing NFP or that has been in the postpartum phase. Mm-hmm. It can it can be a big jump to go from, yeah, the the abstinence periods or whatever to mm-hmm. um, go time. Like right. it's just because mm-hmm. our hearts, our souls, our minds all need to transition and yeah. to kind of get to that point where even, and again, even if it's good things, like we're not talking about a bad thing compared right. to a good thing. It's yeah. actually like good thing to good thing. Amen. And, and making that, you know, mental shift. Mm-hmm. Um in our minds where, wherever it might be, or if it's a job transition or if it's whatever, like, yeah, it's, it's good here and it's going to be good here. And it's going to take me a little bit to get mm-hmm. my mind kind of wrapped around Right. That. And how do you find, how do you recognize the good in both situations? Yeah. And that's, and that's been difficult, but it's also been super fruitful. And I think that if you're brave enough to have those conversations, um, before you're married, like you really should, in my opinion, yeah. um, have those really tough kind of conversations about like, why are these things good in both sides? Like you have to have that conversation because it's only going to increase um, the intimacy as you move forward. I was reading some sort of, I don't know, blog post or something about that of like intimacy isn't just sex. It's like cuddling or it's like words of affirmation. God bless words of affirmation. I love them. Me too. Like they're the best. (laughs) But it's like, (laughs) you are. (laughs) But like those things that really ramps that up the intimacy. intimacy. Yeah. And, and I, vulnerability because mm-hmm. it, it, it builds mm-hmm. trust. Then. Yeah. And you don't ever really get taught that ever, yeah. anywhere. How long has your engagement been? Or how long will your engagement be? Yeah. Before, so until you get married. We got engaged on Holy Saturday um, of this year, 2019. And we will be uh, getting married December 31st, 2020. So less than a year. Less than a year. I feel yeah. really good about that. Yeah. I tell couples all the time. I'm a huge proponent of the six month engagement mm-hmm. yeah 
Because I think it can get really difficult, you know, to your point mm-hmm. earlier of everything in me desires to be mm-hmm. connected to this person. Mm-hmm. And really that's what engagement is, is mm-hmm. that like intensified period of discernment. Yeah. And if you need two years to do that, Oof. maybe you're not ready to be engaged. Amen. You know, reach Emily. Yeah. Like, and there's, of course, like outlying factors yeah, or course, whatever. Yeah. And sometimes military families, I think, mm-hmm. always really struggle with this because it's like, but I'm not even here. Right, I'm going to yeah. be in different country. Yeah, different country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I just think like and quite frankly, from a wedding planning perspective, like if I planned my wedding now compared to a year ago, compared mm-hmm. to a year ago, compared to five years ago, mm-hmm. I would totally do different things. Oh, yeah. Like I would for sure choose a different dress Definitely, and yeah. You know, all mm-hmm. of the different things. So it's like those things you can just start to overthink. Oh, yeah. Rather than like, hey, what am I actually about? What mm-hmm. is this for? And everything in me desires to be connected to this person. Yeah. Physically, emotionally, financially, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. You really like if you if you look back like just even 100 years ago, engagement periods were way shorter. Way shorter. Like way shorter. And I kind of get why. Bring it back. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. okay, like this yeah. is a really good idea. Why yeah. did we stop doing this? But also like, mar- like marry the right person. Oh, yeah. Because that's the other dilemma right, right exactly. now is that I think we so often have couples that are bonded to each other that mm-hmm. don't even like each other. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Like there are people that 100%. are like, why are you getting married? You don't even like each other, exactly. but because they've been physically intimate, mm-hmm. hormonally bonded, all of these things, mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, this is the next step. Or because they've been, you know, dating for eight years. Right. Yeah. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I think that can kind of lead to this like high divorce rate or, mm-hmm. or whatever is we're just not marrying the right person. In the exactly. Yeah. You, I remember in high school, Mrs. Shields, she had this weird like um, analogy, I guess, of of like duct tape, like having sex with someone is like duct tape on your arm. Yeah. And you like put it there and you like keep ripping it off and putting it back, back on. And like there's like residue that's left. But like it's that it's that bond that puts you yeah. together as a couple. But like what if those two people aren't yeah. actually meant to be together? Yeah. You know, I'm not a big fan of soulmates and all that. That's controversial, I know. But <laughs> like it, it definitely – bonds you in a way that is very difficult to like step outside of to see the reality of what is going on. Yeah. So like pick who you're going to marry. Right. And pick them well. Yeah. Yeah. And there's healing to be had, but man, Mm -hmm. it's hard work. It is. It is so hard. Yeah. There are things that I definitely had to find healing in. And that was a beautiful part of seminary. Yeah. Allowed me to have that opportunity. Some restoration. Yep. Mm -hmm. And like that has given me the opportunity to love Trisha better than I possibly ever could before. So Um, here's, I was just going to ask you, how do you think your formation in, I want to call it your previous life, but I actually hate that. Like it's (laughs) it's still your life. Like it's actually part, it's all, it's all together. It's Mm -hmm. not like you're fragmented. Right. Um, how did your formation that you received in seminary transform your preparation for marriage? Mm -hmm. So in seminary, definitely learn how to listen (laughs) because everyone's like telling you these are the things that are wrong quote unquote wrong with you how are we going to move forward oh seminary Um, sounds brutal (laughs) it it is a little bit but really good at the same time but so good at the same time because they're they're weeding out these things that don't allow you to fully thrive as a man yeah and taking those things out has allowed me to to like just first off look at them and like embrace like yes these are my faults but at the same time i'm going to go and sit now i'm going to listen to what our lord has to say in the chapel or 
what another brother seminarian is telling me. Um, I've, I've been able to decently listen to people well, I think throughout mm-hmm. my life and um, moving out of seminary and into this relationship um, with Trisha is like, I, I definitely feel like I can listen to her better. Um, and that's something I think she really desires. And I think everybody yeah. desires that. Yeah. And particularly women, they want to be. Yeah, covered. they yeah. do. And that's something that I wasn't like conscious, consciously aware of in seminary. Like, what this amazing gift was going to lead to. But mm-hmm. like, I'm able to sit there and like, if she's in a bad mood or she like had a really hard day with like teaching her students and like, she's been working since like 6 a.m. and it's 6 p.m. right now. I'm like, hey, like, what's wrong? Like, what can I do to like help you in this moment? And then you just like kind of let them talk and you just let them express how they're feeling. And that is something I think that has allowed me to really be able to understand her better Mm. because she's sharing her heart with me. She's sharing her soul. And I have that opportunity to really like receive that. It almost gives me this weird opportunity for like the roles of man and woman to kind of be swapped for a second of like the receptivity is like on my end at this moment. Um, And she's the one who's giving me like all of this, this, this emotion and um, uh, frustration and all that kind of stuff. And it really allows me to, to see the whole of the individual and the couple Mm -hmm. because the goal in marriage is like one flesh. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I'm going to be able to hopefully better understand her Mm -hmm. um, as we move forward in our relationship. But I definitely sit and I strive to, to listen. And I, I think I really learned that in seminary because Mm -hmm. you're constantly just being told hypostatic union this is what's wrong with you like the eucharist is this and you're just like Ah. okay (laughs) like i don't get it but awesome and you just kind of sit there and you're like all right like this is an important task and like something that isn't is is um necessary to know and i think we can apply that with like relationships as well like dudes listen to your girls like it's not hard and it's not a bad thing um but it is something that is so like necessary and allows them to really share themselves with you without like, you know, being over sexualized, like that intimacy. I'm a big fan of intimacy. And like, I don't know if I can get it out across anymore, but like, it's not only that sex aspect, it's the, the understanding of like that person, that mm-hmm. intimacy there. So mm-hmm. yeah, the listening mm-hmm. aspect of seminary really, really has been helpful in my relationship. Do you feel like your vulnerability with Trisha has grown throughout your engagement? Like, yeah. or, or actually, I'd be really curious, even dating to engagement. Do you feel like there was a shift there? Yeah, a little bit. You, you definitely like have certain, um, you have topics, I suppose, yeah. as you're dating that you're like, okay, these are for later on in the relationship and we'll get there, but we're not quite there like a month into dating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and some people really don't get that. They're just kind of like, here's everything all at once. And yeah. the people can kind of get overwhelmed. But as we've moved on in our relationship, like the opportunity to, to dive deeper has grown. Mm-hmm. Um, and those relationship conversations that we wouldn't necessarily talk about in the first month are being able to flourish now in engagement. Yeah, And like, you're kind of. Because they're more real. Yeah. Because you're like. It's not hypothetical. It's more real. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. like you're getting all of that soon. Yeah. Like everything is going to come, come to me. Yeah. On December 31st. Yeah. And I'm going to have to be ready and I'm going to be prepared. Like not perfect. Yep. But I'm going to have to be able to 
receive her fully. Yeah. And like, I'm excited for that. Yeah. But it's definitely you engagement and dating are very different things. Yep. And throw wedding planning on top of engagement. Yep. Well, and I think it's interesting because as you're talking about this, I'm like, this is still true even within marriage Mm. where Matt and I can have hypothetical conversations Mm -hmm. about five years from now Mm -hmm. or 10 years from now, which is really good, you know, especially in marriage. Like, hey, where are we going? What are what's our vision for our family? What are our goals? But as we approach them, they become more real and concrete Mm -hmm. and they actually have a place to live, right. you know, which, which leads back to our whole start of the conversation of when life really changes directions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can be in that middle mm-hmm. or in that waiting portion, like some, yeah. in the in-between, some of those questions become much more real or, yeah. um, yeah. And then it leads to a point where we're like, okay, we're going to have to just jump. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to jump off the cliff yeah. and trust that, the direction we're going is mm-hmm. what God has for us and that it's going to be really good. Yeah. You know, engagement is the biggest in between that you could probably oh, ever face. <laughs> I loved it. Oh yeah. I kind of loved it. Yeah. Do you, do you hate it? I don't necessarily hate it, but there are People challenges. People have mixed emotions. Yeah. Like there's, it's a big thing. Like, cause it's, it's not marriage, but it's not dating. Yeah. It's this weird middle ground where everyone's like, this isn't permanent. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Yeah. But it also allows you to like, set the foundations for that permanent aspect. Yes. You know, that place I to feel be. like I loved the first six months of dating, hated the second six months mm-hmm. of dating, loved engagement, mm-hmm. loved marriage. Yep. Just because, yeah, that second six months of dating, it was like, all right, like, where are we going? Right. You know, and and I'm starting to get really invested in right. this person. I'm ticking man. So <laughs> let's see, you know. But yeah, like, it's, it's just that weird process mm-hmm. of I want to join myself to you, but we're just not there yet. Right. And so figuring out what that looks like, mm-hmm. I think is weird. Yeah. Um, you're just the greatest. Okay. <laughs> so my last question for you, yeah. I ask every guest that comes on lead them to life. If there is a question that you have been pondering mm-hmm. and as you know, this just comes to from my heart of, mm-hmm. uh, wanting to explore the depths of what it means to be human and alive and well, and, um, yeah, the growth that comes, I think, from the right question at the right time. So I want to know, is there a question that you have been pondering, James Carroll? Yeah. Um, I told Trisha, I was like, I can't wait for her to ask me. What is my question? Um, just like the big You've thing. had it since season one. I literally have. I'm just like, okay, Lord, like if I ever get on this podcast, this is the question I want to ask. And he was like, bestowed this grace upon oh, me. I love it. I um, love it. But yeah, the big thing that I've kind of just been questioning, like, what, how does a, how does a household flourish? Mm. Um, you know, like that's something that has been kind of so profoundly like placed in front of me because how does like, if both people are working, like how does, how does a house flourish? Like how does, how does the floors get swept? How they do don't. The, yeah. James, they don't. Like, <laughs> they don't get swept. <laughs> like I just am like, I don't get it, Lord. Like you see all of these oh, like yeah. perfect things everywhere. But yeah. like how does a home flourish? Yeah. And it would be amazing to figure out how to tell someone how it does. Because, yeah. Will you find out and let me know? Yeah, for sure. That'd be great. Because <laughs> the world needs it, I think, right now. Yeah. I have a 100%. sign on my uh, front door right now or on our garage door that says someday this house will be clean and we'll miss the mess. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it like, I just had had it one day and was like, okay. And I'm not even like a clean freak yeah, yeah, at yeah. all, but uh, you know, kids. So, right. um, 
Yeah, I I totally agree. Like, how do you really flourish? And there's days mm-hmm. where I feel like, man, we're killing it. Right. Things mm-hmm. are, we're all dancing mm-hmm. together well, whatever. And then there was this this morning, which was not that, right. you know, where yeah. we had tantrums and mm-hmm. um, oatmeal everywhere and right. diapers on the floor. I mean, just total chaos. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good question. How does a household flourish mm-hmm. in every sense of the word? Yeah. I love it. Um, Are you on the gram? I am on the gram. Um, I am at JT Carroll. And J- that's the coolest <laughs> casual you know <laughs> jt carroll on the gram it's great oh uh, are you active uh, kind of occasionally i like to like other people's pictures yeah that's good i that's post good. the occasional picture um i believe there's one picture of trisha and i but trisha posts all of our pictures for us okay so. yeah maybe we'll include her there you go her uh, underscore p rain yeah. there you go <laughs> There we go. Well, James, thank you so much for coming on and for just sharing your heart. And friends, if you find yourself um, having experienced that change in life direction, I hope that this uh, episode brings you some peace and some joy. Or if you're coming up on that change, um, hopefully it's an encouragement that, hey, there's good things on the other side, too. So share it with a friend and we'll see you next time. 